Hey everyone, welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it's our mission to help you find and follow Jesus. Our message for today is from a brand new collection of sermons entitled Church Defined, where we will be focusing in on God's purpose and plan for the local church. It is through the church that the gospel will be shared, disciples will be made, and God's glory will be revealed. We hope that the message inspires and encourages you today. So here's Pastor Paul. I'm excited today to continue our series on Church Defined. And so we've been talking about what is God's definition of the local church? What does it look like? What does it mean to us? Now, just sort of a refresher, uh, the first week, or uh, sorry, as a refresher, let's remind ourselves what church means, which is ecclesia. Uh, that's a word that we see all throughout scripture. And it is a group of people, an assembly, a gathering of citizens that are called out from their homes into a public place. Now, we know that uh, from a local church context that we're a group of people called out from all sorts of places. By the way, we're probably citizens of different places as well too, not just Canadian citizens. We're citizens from all over the world and we come together uh, for the purpose of glorifying God and lifting him up and praising him in worship. And that's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. And so in our series so far, uh, far, we've discovered God's love for his church and the fact that we need to love what God loves. If you remember that, that's the big takeaway. You need to love what God loves and God loves the local church. And I am thankful that God gave himself for us today, that we have something to to be a part of and attend and serve and all of that. The second week we talked about, though, God's purpose for his church. And the purpose for God's church is to be the what? The pillar and the ground of the, say it with me, truth. Okay, thank you, Jeanette. The pillar and the ground of the truth. truth. Okay, all right. Listen, the 9 a.m. crowd, they're wide awake. Now, 1030 always seems a little sleepy. So here we go. Let's get it together. We're gonna wake up. The pillar and ground of the truth. We're the place where truth can be found. Praise God for that. There's so much falsehood out there in our world. There's so many things that you can find that will lead you astray. But the church is where truth can be found. And we praise God for that. And then last week, we talked about our passion for his church. And we got to the nitty gritty, as they say, right, about the local church and how we need to be people who are passionate and and make the local church a priority. It's, it's one of the, it's a big part of who we are. It's a priority. We talked about how we need to join the church and uh, connect ourselves to a group of believers as, as members of that church. Many of the principles in scripture that describe a church are only and best done within the context of a membership of a local body of committed believers. Then we talked about uh, how we need to uh, biblically uh, submit to spiritual authority. We talked about how to support the church financially as well, all things we see throughout scripture, and then as well to connect with your church family and just man, just, just, just get connected with each other. Get to know one another in, in a better than a surface level of just like, saw you on Sunday. What's up? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's not. It's two fingers. Sorry. Not one finger. Sorry. Two fingers. I'm sorry. I've offended anybody, you know, and just say, hey, no. Okay. Uh, and just say, hey, how are you doing? Have a deeper level relationship than just that. You know, um, we need that. We need to have people that we can talk to that have that same spiritual focus that we do. And God creates all of that and makes all that happen within the context of the local church. And all of these things that we've talked about so far, here's what they're doing. They're building within us a desire to make the local church an integral part of our lives. So much so that the local church becomes not just something we do a few times a week or a few times a month, but the local church becomes part of who we are. So that when someone says to you, hey, Tim, what makes you tick? 
<laughs> Do people ever say that to you? It's kind of an odd question. But yeah, like, hey, tell me about yourself, Tim. Or somebody says to you, like, I want to get to know you outside of church, okay? And they say, well, what? Well, ask, your relationship with God should be a big part of that, but also your commitment to the church and say, man, you know, I, I'm saved. I'm a believer. I follow God. I worship Jesus. But a big part of that is I'm part of a local church family that I involve myself in, and I'm there. And it should be a part of who we are, not just something we do. It's not a box we check off, and we hope that, hey, God, did you see I went to church today? You know, it's kind of cloudy. I'm not sure if he did. I went to church and make sure that he notices and takes notice. No, no, this is a part of who we are. We are the church. We are a body of believers that come together. And one of the great things about it is that we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. Uh, this week, I was doing some research online, uh, and you always got to be careful about that, right? I was doing some research online and reading some things on leadership. That's a good thing, and, and being a spiritual leader, and I was looking up some stuff about how to lead teams, and, and these are all things that I've done and studied all of that, but I was just doing a little bit of looking, and one of the things that was interesting to me is that uh, whether they're a psychologist or whether they were a uh, corporate trainer or some sort of leadership expert, here's one thing that I found in common, and it was this. They said, when you are leading people or you're training people, you need to make sure that they understand that they are part of something bigger than just themselves. They're part of something that's bigger than just what they can accomplish individually. That's the idea of teamwork, right? We are working together. We're all part of this together. And it's true. Built into every single person, built into you today, is a desire to be a part of something greater than yourselves. There's very few people who are okay with living up in the woods for long periods of time. That's why they get their own shows, you know, on the Outdoor Network, because <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the one guy who does it. You know, very few people that want to do that. We're watching, Jeanette and I are watching the show Alone. If you've ever watched that show, that's a great show. Super intense, and they make these people go out in the woods by themselves and see how long they last, uh, if they can survive and not get killed. And uh, one of the ones, the guy finally quit, and he said, this. He said, I'm basically, he said, I'm suffering from loneliness. I'm suffering from loneliness because we're not built to be alone. We're built for community, but even outside of that, we are built to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And as Christians, that's what we recognize and we understand. We have an incredible privilege to be a part of something that is bigger than this earth even. We are part of something that is life-saving, something that is eternal. Now think about that. We get to be a part of something that is eternal, because no matter what great things a business may do, you know, we learn about all these celebrities and people and everybody was mad at the two billionaires who just went up to space, you know, and they're all like, well, they should have given that money to the poor, you know, uh, and, and that's, that's true, okay? Maybe that, maybe that is true. I don't know. I'll just say that, well, anyway, we can have a whole discussion about that. I'll just say those guys employ like hundreds of thousands of people who all have jobs and we can thank them for that. But anyway, you know, they all went to space and everybody's all upset about that and, uh, and, and everything. And, and, but at the same time, these guys give away millions and millions of dollars as well to uh, humanitarian things and philanthropic things, all of this stuff. But listen, there is nothing as precious, as eternal as what we are doing here at City Baptist as part of the local church. I get that. And you look around and you say, oh, we're just a little group of people. We're just a small group, uh, you know, that can, that can fit in this little tap studio. But what we are doing here, God says, is of greater importance than anything that some billionaire is doing on this earth because this is for the glory of God and it's eternal. And people that turn to Christ because of what we're doing here have eternal life because of our involvement and what we are uh, able to do. And it's a wonderful thing to see people saved and uh, believers restored and, and Christians that have fallen away from God come back to him and Christians make mature decisions. All of that is amazing. And we get to be a part of it as a church family. That's pretty awesome. 
Man, you say, man, pastor's a hype mode today. I am. This is awesome. We get to be a part. Yeah, if you ever need a hype man, let me know. I'd love to do it. I was talking to Irvin about uh, his wedding. I got to do the kind of the hype intro when they walked in, you know, and I love it. Anyway, uh, but we get to serve together and we get to do it with people that have the same passion as us. Now, probably one of the greatest verses in all of scripture about this subject is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that I had you turn to. I want you to read this with me. Not out loud. You just read it with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The first part of it says, for we are laborers together with God. Okay, say that with me. Ready? For we are laborers together with God. There's a couple of key phrases here. It says we. So that's the idea of a group. We are laborers together. So we work and we serve together with God. God. Now that is pretty amazing right there. The rest of the verse says, you are God's husbandry, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. That's an idea that we need to be careful about what we are building upon because there's no foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, uh, that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now the, the apostle Paul here is writing to the Corinthian church and they were not a great church, just to be honest with you. They were not. They had a lot of problems. In fact, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians deals with that. It talks a lot about the problems, which reminds us that there's no church that's too far gone, okay? God can restore and God can, if people are repentant in heart, God can make things right and work things out, of course. But here he's reminding them that the, the, what they are building, what they are serving is far greater than themselves. See, problems in a church arise when it becomes about us, not about we, Problems arise when it becomes about, oh, well, this is my thing, and this is my thing, and this is my thing, and those things all sort of conflict rather than it's about us, you know? It's all about we. It should be about we, the group of people that are laboring together with God. And the term here, laborers together, is a single Greek word, and the Greek word is uh, synergus, which is a companion in labor. Now, some of you are thinking right away, there's an English word that is like this, right? What is that word? Synergy. Synergy. Maybe you've been to one of those motivational speeches, you know, synergy. And then the light comes on. Okay, we should do that. That'd be fun, right? Synergy. Or maybe, maybe you've been to a doctor's office and you've seen this motivational poster, right? Synergy. Synergy. And then like a a quote, right? Those are the best. If your doctor still has these old school ones on their wall... They're nearing retirement. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I'm I'm joking. You know, they have the eagle soaring and all of these motivational. These are great. I mean, these are like a 90s specialty right here. And of course here, Helen Keller, alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. Synergy. All right, synergy. And uh, it all comes together uh, here. And you understand that. But here's what I want you to get. The concept of synergy did not start with Helen Keller. Okay? It did not start with whoever is making these motivational posters. It started with God saying, you are synergy, laboring together as a church with God. And we are doing that and we are working towards a common goal and it's a singular purpose. And so we can lay aside because of the cause of Christ, we can lay aside our personal egos, can't we? We can lay aside our social and economic statuses. We can lay aside any differences of of where we grew up or where we came from. We can lay those aside because we serve together with God and for God, and we're able to work and labor together. You know, when you think about the story of Nehemiah in Scripture, and it's something we've talked about many times here, but the idea of Nehemiah going back to Jerusalem with the task of rebuilding the wall to protect it. And God worked in so many amazing ways during that time. In those days, just over 50 days that they rebuilt the wall, did really an impossible task. 
And yes, God was at work, but there was one thing, there was one character trait or one mindset that we see in that story of Nehemiah that I want to point out here. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. This is Nehemiah talking. And uh, as also the king's words, which he had spoken unto unto me, and they said, so this is the people there. They said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And then later on in Nehemiah chapter four, verse six, he says, so we built the wall. So it's done. We jumped over a whole bunch, by the way. He says, well, we built the wall and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. Why? For the people had a mind to work. Now notice here, Nehemiah did not say, and we built the wall because my plans were perfect. And we built the wall because God spoke to me and I told everybody and it was all about Nehemiah, Nehemiah. No, he says we built the wall because the people had a mind to work, meaning they were singular in focus. We're going to work together. We're going to come together and we're going to serve. You say, pastor, what are you trying to get at? Here's what I'm trying to get at today. As members of God's local church, as members of his visible body right here, we must have a heart to serve the Lord together. We are a part of something bigger. And when we know that, then what happens is we desire to put our hands to the work and come together to serve God. Uh, The word servant occurs 57 times in Scripture. The word serve uh, uh, appears 58 times in Scripture. Do you know what that tells us? It's important to God. And each of those, the the context around them is about working together and the roles that we are to assume as uh, believers. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, what it looks like to be somebody who serves the local church. We're going to talk about serving today. The title is Serve the Church. Very, very simple. And so this is an aspect of the local church that is important for us uh, to remember and to connect into. Now, I want to just share something with you, though, at the outset, just so we have the right mindset going into this. First of all, when it comes to the subject of serving, um, at our very best, let's just get this out there, at our very best, and as mature as a Christian as we can be, we are still flawed humans, aren't we? Right? Let's just, that's what it is. So even at our best, we are defective servants. I don't know how else to put it. That's what we are. We're prone to sin. We're prone to, uh, to, to, to uh, struggles there. And, and while one person may attempt uh, to serve in one way with, from good intentions, Another who maybe is struggling with a sin at the time or struggling personally at the time may view that in the wrong way. And there can be uh, issues that arise and all of that. And sometimes people have had bad experiences in churches before. They've had bad experiences serving or their motivations or their intentions misrepresented or misread or whatever it may be. And so they think, well, then I'm not just gonna, I'm not gonna serve anymore, I'm done. I'm not gonna involve myself in the local church. I wanna remind you of how Jesus was misrepresented and how Jesus was misunderstood at many times. Do you remember when they called Jesus a devil. You remember that? He's the devil. They said that. And Jesus just kept on serving anyway, didn't he? He still washed the feet of those despicable disciples sometimes, right? Arguing and bickering, he still washed their feet. He still served and ate with those tax collectors that others would not spend time with. He still stood on the cross or was on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, even though he was completely misunderstood and misrepresented. And so understand, listen, we are at our best flawed individuals but yet we can still serve and God can still use us. And so we should not let uh, things like that from our past or issues to stop us from wanting to serve God. It's about our heart, right? So having a heart to serve the Lord and we must have a servant's heart and and serve because it is such a growing need uh, in the local church. Now, a couple years ago, 
Almost three years ago, I preached a sermon series called This Is Us. Do you guys remember that? Anybody remember that one? This Is Us, yeah, before the TV show. Just want you to know that. I'm kidding. Some of you know that. I kind of stole the title, but no one came after me for copyright infringement, so I'm thankful for that. I don't think they had the phrase, this is us, copyrighted. But it was a series that I preached uh, on us as, as individuals, part of the local church, very similar uh, thematically even of what we're in right now. Uh, but I preached a message, the third message, you can still actually uh, get that online through our podcast and all of that. But the third message I preached, I preached on the subject of being a servant leader, of serving one another uh, and, and the things that we need, the, the uh, mindset or the characteristics that we need. Uh, to, uh, uh, to, to be a servant of the Lord. And so today what I'm going to do is, as I was going back in my message, just, I often do this, I go back and I find messages that I've preached on the certain subject, and typically I do that so I don't repeat what I've already said, you know? But in this case, as I was reading it, by the way, I didn't remember all of it, just so you know, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is really good. So what I did is I took a, a, a cutter, and I chopped it out, and I put it over onto this sermon document, and then I worked on it. And so the points that you have here, I want you to know, are not original as of today, okay? Uh, they're, <laughs> they're built off of some help that I received, okay? But then I did speak this to you before, and they're great. I just want you to know that. And so some of you out there are like, oh man, I can't believe he's repeating something he already said once three years ago. Okay, for that person, tell me point number two. <laughs> tell it to me right now. Because I didn't remember them. So we're going to go through them. I was reading. I was, this is great. Okay. So we're going to sort of refresh them and look at them in a fresh way because the principles still apply, right? You don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to having the right attitude to serving God. And so these are all scriptural principles, and I want to go through them with you today. Okay. So point number one, a person who is a serving Christian. So that's what we're talking about. This is the heart of someone who's serving. A serving Christian, first of all, seeks the glory of God. Let's get that down right away. A serving person seeks the glory uh, of God. Ultimately, the purpose of God creating us was for his glory. And we have to remember that positionally, God has gifted us and made us who we are for his glory. Now, please, let's get this, church, because sometimes we think this. We think, okay, God created me but he wants me to be this other thing in order to give him glory. No, 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 no. God created you who you are, how you are for his glory, meaning he is glorified in who you are as an individual wow. right now, wow. not in who you're going to be. He is glorified in you right now, okay? Now, obviously, look, don't misunderstand. Well, man, he just, he's glorified in my sin? No. <laughs> you know if you're in sin. You know that you need to make those things right. Confess your sin. We know those things. But as far as your giftedness, your ability, uh, how you look at the world, God created you that way, and it's totally okay. All right? Just want you to know that. You don't have to be Chris. We all want to be Chris. We, let's just put it out there. We all want to be Chris. You know, we all want to smile all the time, right? And uh, <laughs> I saw him frown once. I just want you to know I saw him frown once. <laughs> And I had to go home for the rest of the day. I couldn't handle it. That was it. I was done. Done for the rest of the day. I said, I called Jeanette. I'm coming home. I need a nap. Chris frowned. Not even at me, by the way. But anyway, I'm kidding. You know what I'm saying, though? We often think that, oh, God will only be glorified if I become or if I'm like somebody else. No, no, no. Be who God created you to be. He is glorified in that. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 tells us, he says, what? I love that. He didn't say it like that, but it's like, what? <laughs> know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, since God paid for you with his blood and he sacrifices, we sang about today, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, because Christ paid something for you, his, his desire is that he, you would be, uh, he would be glorified through you both in your body and in your spirit. So God does care about the actions we take. He cares about how we present ourselves even. He does. It, it's a way for us to glorify God and not glorify self, right? It's a way for us to glorify God and not glorify uh, something else. And so he says, I want you to be glorified in me. John 7, uh, 18 says, he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. He said, if you're just always talking about yourself, you're just seeking your glory. But we need to be seek, uh, speaking about the glory of the one or speaking about uh, the one who sent us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. See, a Christ-like servant leader, someone who is serving Christ, will demonstrate in their life over time that they are not motivated by public approval. They're not motivated by position. They're not motivated by financial security or other things that this world motivates us by. We are motivated by the glory of God. It's all about Him, and it's not about us. And so in our life, our service needs to only come from a place of bringing glory to God, not bringing glory to ourselves. You know what it's like to bring glory to yourself, right? Yeah? Maybe some of you have served God from a position of bringing glory to yourself. Maybe you're in that position right now. I don't know. Let me tell you something. It's not fulfilling. It is not fulfilling. Uh, that's, that's evident in our world today, our Instagram world today, right? Jeanette gave me this illustration uh, before, right before I came up to preach, and I'm going to use it. It's a great illustration. You know, how many times have uh, Instagram influencers been exposed because they do something that looks like they're serving others, but it's just a setup? Recently this week, uh, there was a news reporter who was just fired for this because she was reporting on a flood. And before they started filming, she ran over and got some mud and rubbed it on her face. So it looked like she'd been helping a guy who was stuck in the mud in some flood in Europe. And then she turns around and is like, I'm reporting here. And she hadn't done a thing to help the guy. <laughs> Not a thing. Fired. I, you know, she did get fired. <laughs> I guess that's, that's all right. I kind of understand that. She was misrepresenting herself. I saw a, a, a video on Instagram recently of these Instagram influencers. So somebody saw them and they're like, oh, these are like, you know, like famous Instagram influencers, right? And so they're like filming them. And what, what they were doing was it was during, a, a, again, some sort of natural disaster. And they're up there and they like had a drill and like, a, you know, like a screwdriver, a drill, and they go up there and they're like, it's like a board was already up, by the way, like businesses were boarding up and, I, and they're up there with this and they're like acting like they're drilling and then they like pose, you know, for the helping out. And then literally the guy's filming the whole thing. The guy, the camera guy's like, all right, all right, we're good. Okay. All right. And they just went and got in their car and drove off. They did nothing to help them, but they made it look as if they were. Okay. Well, what were they doing? That's called self-serving. And we go, ugh. We get frustrated by that, don't we? But how often do we sometimes serve God and in the back of our mind, we're like, look what I'm doing. Oh, I, I hope that somebody notices what I'm doing. I hope they saw me. I hope they saw me put that in the offering box. Or I hope they saw me. Look, I picked up that piece of whatever. I set up chairs so nice. Uh, I hope they're looking at me. Okay? That's, that's, that's not serving God for his glory, that's serving God for our glory. 
okay? Now, if somebody sees you serving God from a pure heart and for his glory and they're inspired by it, praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. Man, that's great. But that's not our first step. Our first step is always for the glory of God, for the glory of God. And we have to surrender our glory for his glory. Flip the switch, turn those around. Then we understand what it means to seek his glory in all things. That is the basis of serving. That's the basis of being a servant leader, as scripture teaches us, is that it's all about God's glory and not about our own. So a, servant, uh, a serving Christian will seek the glory of God. Secondly, a serving Christian will sacrificially seek the joy and growth of others that they serve, or of those that they serve. I, said, I read it wrong and I wrote it. A serving Christian specifically, uh, sacrificially, seeks the joy and growth of those that they serve. Now, this does not conflict with serving for the glory of God, just so you know there, okay? I want to show you this in Matthew chapter number 20, verse 26. He says, but it shall not be so among you, this is Jesus speaking, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. So he says, you want to be great, be somebody who serves and ministers. Verse 28, even as, here's the example, as the son of man, Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Here's the thing. Whatever your temperament is, whatever the mix of giftedness is that God has given to you, whatever your capacities or sphere of influence, a true servant of Christ will make the necessary sacrifices in order to pursue other people's growth and other people's joy in the faith. Now, the Apostle Paul is a great example of this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 24. Just some context on this, he is in prison, and he had just said that famous verse where he said, to die is gain. Remember that? He had just said that. He said, to die is gain. So we know his mental state. We know his mindset. It would be better for him, he's saying, if I died than to continue to suffer. Look what he says in verse 24. But it shall not be so among you. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. Nevertheless, sorry. <laughs> to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he says, it'd be better for me to die but then he says, I'm going to stay in the flesh because it's neat, like it's something that you need. He's speaking to this church. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide. So I will stay and continue with you all for your furtherance, see that, and joy of faith. So Paul is saying, even though I'm suffering, even though I'm in prison, even though I'm having a tough rough go of it right now. And we can all say, I know what that's like. We've had those times. Maybe you're in one right now. It's a rough time right now. But he says, I'm still willing to stay in that difficulty if it means others' joy and uh, furtherance of the gospel, of course, would go forward. Now think about this. Now, I, don't, don't do it, but look around the room in your mind, okay? Think about your church family for a moment. Think about those who might be at the 9 a.m. service who you haven't seen in a while that are here at the 1030, or those that are here at the 1030. I wonder, is there somebody here that you have maybe sacrificed your time, maybe your gifts, or maybe even your treasure to help them experience joy and growth in their walk with God, in their faith? Now, I'm not just talking about like buying them a nice present so they're like, hooray, for like, you know, a minute. I'm talking about like, have you used what God has given you to be a blessing, to encourage somebody in the faith and to build them up. Now, you might be thinking right now, well, no one's doing that for me. That's not the question, is it? The question is not, oh, is somebody doing that for you? The question is, is who are you influencing in that way? See, a true servant, someone who's serving the church is going to be willing to sacrificially seek the joy and the growth of other people. 
I mean, seek it out. How can I bring joy? How can I bring growth to their life? That's a key aspect of being a servant Christian. A third one is that a serving Christian will surrender their rights rather than be a hindrance to the gospel. They will surrender their rights rather than be a hindrance to the gospel. I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 19. Paul said, for though I be free from all men, meaning I'm free to live my life, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. What did this mean for Paul? Well, we know in scripture, it meant that he actually abstained from things that were well within his rights to do. He abstained from them or did not pursue them in order to serve other people in a greater way. Yes, he in fact abstained from certain foods even that he would bring an offense to maybe his Jewish uh, brethren who had come to Christ. He abstained from uh, things like uh, requiring or asking for uh, provision for, for his life for his lifestyle. He went to work, we know many times, in order to provide because he said, I don't want to take anything. I don't want to receive anything lest you say, I gave you something. So now you got to, he didn't want to be under anybody's control, you know, under, under money at all. He refused uh, that kind of financial, uh, uh, financial help. He was homeless sometimes. He endured great disrespect both in the church and outside the church as well. This was all before he was martyred for his faith and killed for his faith. But yet he says here, he says, I would rather still be a servant to you. Though I am free, though I have rights, things I could demand, things I could focus on, he says, I'm willing to leave them aside so that I could be a servant to other people. See, a dedicated Christian recognizes that the, the eternal rewards in heaven, right? The reward in heaven far outweighs any temporal rewards we may experience here on, on earth. So how does this play out in the local church? Well, here's how it plays out. You know, sometimes... In all, within us, what happens is that there are going to be opportunities where your desire and your preferences may come into conflict with unity and the mission of the church as a whole, okay? Now, a preference, like a preference in style, let's say, not like clothes, like I only like it if pastor wears a suit coat or something. No, not like that. You know what I mean? Like a style of the way we do things or something. It could be a preference that you have uh, in, uh, in, in the choices that the leadership make. It could be a preference that you have in events that we do or, or don't do. And you may have these different preferences, which by the way, a preference is a greater liking for one alternative over the other. But what happens is often, by the way, we're all, God created us, right? We have preferences for things. And, and, that's, and that's all fine and that's all good. But when we take our preferences and we elevate them to the, the point of doctrine, let's say, or we elevate them to such a high level that we can't even be in a church family or be around other believers because they don't meet our expectations of them or don't meet our, our preference, it just brings about a lot of problems. Now, I praise God we haven't experienced this really at all at City Baptist, honestly. But I've been in church my whole life, uh, grown up around pastors, been in so many things, talked to so many pastors and been in other ministries. I understand that often what happens, uh, problems come into a church when a person takes an individual preference and they elevate that above the unity of the body. Wow, That's what happens. And we say, well, I want things this way. I think it should be done like this. And, and, and they'll make it uh, such a thing that they focus their whole heart on and everything around that one thing, and they'll focus on it, focus on it, that it will cause fractures and issues with other people because that preference isn't being met. 
a true servant of God will, and again, we're not talking about doctrinal things, okay? Most churches don't implode because of a doctrinal issue. They mostly implode because of a preferential issue. And some voices become stronger than others, and there becomes a battle in there. Listen, we are the body of Christ. We are to work together. We are to serve together. And we should never allow our preferences to come in the way of gospel unity. You know what? There may be a time that we sing a song that you don't really like, just to be honest with you. By the way, sometimes we sing songs I don't like. And I said, Chris, I don't like that song. He's like, well, pastor, look at the great words in the song. And I, all right, fine. All right, you know, (laughs) that's a preference of mine. That's a preference of mine. And then he'll tell me, he always has great stories, you know, but so-and-so said to me how much that song spoke to them. And so you don't have to say at that point, okay, I may not like it, (laughs) but I can respect the fact that it brings joy to another believer, so I'm going to be okay with it. Does that make sense? That's just like a silly example, I know. This is one example. But honestly, churches have been destroyed over song choice, just so you know, sadly and weirdly, (laughs) weirdly. And so servants of God, though, are going to be people who will surrender their rights and even some of their freedoms in Christ even in order to see the growth of those and the, the, uh, the, the gospel continue to go forth. Man, this is a great thing to just sit on because sometimes we want the church to be exactly how we want it to be, right? And, and no church is perfect. No pastor is perfect. You know, you may be like, I want, a pastor needs to have blonde hair. Well, sorry, <laughs> you know, it's not gonna work out, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And, you know, you have these very, some very, and, and by the way, this is the, because of the gluttony of Christianity that we've had in North America, people are so narrowly focused on what they think exactly the church should be, and they'll find somebody who fits that way. Those of you who are new Christians are like, I don't know what you're talking about, pastor, and I'm so thankful for that. That's great. Um, But let's not be so narrow focused on our preference and let's recognize if God's called me here and God's led me to this place, that I'm I'm there may be some things I'll lay aside that maybe I have a preference about, but you know what? This is for the greater good of the body. This is for unity within the church. And so we're gonna do that. And by the way, that also comes and 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 is important if you're joining a church as well. A church that maybe has an established doctrinal teaching or established a position on, on the way the church is done. If you're coming in from the outside, that you don't come in and say, well, I think that this should be done. I like it this way. That's true, and that's fine. But don't come in and try to put your preference on an established group that's already going forward. Does that make sense? If you feel God's called you here, then just join and be like, all right, I'm ready to go. That's right. You do things a little bit, you know, the church does things a little bit different than me, but obviously it's working. God's, re- you know, God's working here. So let's just go forward together. And let's just work for it in unity, okay? Unity is so essential. The Bible speaks way more about unity than it does about separation in Scripture, okay? Way more about unity. And we need to be unified together because here's what happens. Satan uses our preferences, God-given preferences even. He brings them in our, uh, uses them in our life to bring contention and division in the local church. And our preferences must not get in the way of the gospel being lifted up and proclaimed in our community. Fourthly and lastly, a serving Christian is not preoccupied with personal visibility and recognition. John the Baptist, who was a great leader, right? We'd say, John, yeah, man, that guy got a few things done for the Lord. He's kind of recognized a few times, you know, and uh, he's even faster than Peter, as we know, right? Beat him to the, beat him to the tomb there. And uh, we recognize all these things uh, about him. But here he saw himself as a friend of the bridegroom. Now, this is great. John 3, 29 says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, 
But the friend, okay, let's stop right there for a moment. So the bride, the church is often called the bride of Christ. And so Jesus is the bridegroom, the groom. So this speaks of the unity of the church. Christ is the head. There's this unique unity, right? One day we'll all be gathered together at marriage supper of the lamb. Remember you hear about that in scripture? And that's that coming together of, all, of the believers and family, God, all that kind of stuff, okay? But here John says something unique. He says, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. What is John saying here? He's saying that, listen, Jesus is the groom. Like, he's the guy, right? You know, people say on the wedding day, you know, uh, it's all about the bride, right? They say that. And uh, bridezilla and all of these kind of things, you know, talk about, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's not that way, right? Since we have a wedding coming up, hopefully it's not that way. But, you know, it's, it is, it's their special day. And that's okay, by the way, all right? It's their special day. Guess what? On my wedding day, I was like, yeah, I, mean, I look good in this tux. And man, oh, 2005, baggy pants, like, oh man, long coat. Man, those are the, that was the day, man. I, I look good. <laughs> Anyway, looking back, I'm like, oh, I can't believe we wore that. But that was the thing. Anyway, uh, what am I saying? Okay, so there's the, the bride and there's the groom, Christ and his church. I mean, they're the ones, Christ gets the glory, right? And then John says, I'm the friend and I'm standing here and I'm listening to him and I'm rejoicing because of what he's saying. I mean, he's like, oh, great. This is great. This is the groom. And he, and he says here, then my joy is fulfilled. His joy is fulfilled being the friend of the one getting the glory. Does that make sense? And he's on the side. And then he says, he must increase, I must decrease. You've probably heard that preached before. And that's about Christ. Christ is the one to be increased. I'm the one to be decreased. Meaning, I'm not going to be preoccupied with the visibility of what I'm doing. He's just like, I'm the friend. I'm over here. I'm hanging out. We're all, it's all about him. You know, you got the guys lined up maybe at a wedding. I'm all about him. And, and we see them do the vows. And, you know, I always like to watch, even if I'm doing the wedding, I like to watch the other people there. You know, it's really fun. And, you know, uh, they'll be doing the vows. And then, like, you know, his best man's like, mm, oh, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, you can really say, or they start crying. My best friend's getting married. We're not going to hang out as much, you know, and all of this. Uh, but the point is, is that uh, none of them are like, I wish I was the, I was the groom today. Nobody's saying that. I hope not. <laughs> that's what makes a weird movies, right? I don't want to be the groom today. No, they're excited for them. And that's what it is. We're excited for Christ when he's glorified and lifted up and magnified. And we must decrease. He must increase. And so we're not, uh, we're not preoccupied with the visibility of our roles, nor do we view lower roles as low or high roles as high. Not high rollers, but high roles as high. Meaning, you know, we don't look at somebody working in the nursery. We're like, they just work in the nursery? By the way, nursery workers, top of the food chain. They're the, I mean, they are the best. You put up with my kids, you're the best, best ever. And uh, the nursery workers are, are so great. And kids' city workers, we don't look down on people who come and clean or, or help set up chairs. No, 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 no. This is all about magnifying Christ. And so we don't become preoccupied. Sometimes in churches, people become preoccupied with position. Well, I did this. And or, I, or I'm going to serve in this way, or I'm going to lead in this way. And, and it becomes like a battle. This is what they, what they want, and they pursue it, and they seek it. Uh, I was talking with Julius uh, before the service. He was talking about something he was reading and, and talking about the idea of, of, of you know, being a, a pastor or of preaching and how Scripture says that if you desire it, you desire a work, a good work. But it's work. It's hard. It's hard work. And we need to re recognize that, that every level of area of service, it's work. 
It takes, it takes us giving ourselves to it, but we must steward the roles that God has given us the best he can and leave those role assignments to God. John chapter 3, 27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. You know what? If God gave you the privilege of standing at the front and greeting people on Sunday, think about, man, God has given me this privilege. I'm gonna do it to my very best ability. What a wonderful thing. If you're able to stand and sing or you're able to run the live stream or you're able to do anything in church, just think, man, God gave me this. This is an opportunity. What a blessing. What a blessing. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has sent uh, the members, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. Again, that just speaks to God's given you a privilege of serving him. And so embrace it. Do it the best of your ability. Ask the church leader, say like, you know, those who are, are, are maybe leading you in that ministry, be like, hey, how can I serve God in the best way? How can I fit into the vision of the church in this area? Don't just be like, all right, I got this responsibility. I'm just gonna run with it, you know, and do my own thing, my own preference. Like, let's work in that unity side. And this speaks so strongly to the spiritual exercise of contentedness and being contented in what God has given to us because servant leading, leading and serving God is the removal of pride and the limiting of personal gain from the equation and just removing that because true greatness is not found in a position or in public recognition. That's not true greatness. True greatness is shown in the details, in the way that we are faithful to even the small things that God has given to us. And I was thinking about some people this week who've had the greatest impact on my life. And I'll tell you what, you know who has not had the greatest impact in my life? Celebrities. Just so you know, baseball players, <laughs> MLB players, though I like them and I admire them and I maybe look up to them, they've not made the greatest impact in my life. Instagram you know, influencers, even though they're just always dropping hints as to what product they're using at this moment, uh, have not changed my life. The people who have greatly impacted me the most are those who have sacrificed and spent time with me, who have invested in my life, who have maybe made sacrifices themselves to serve me. They've sacrificed personally to support my spiritual growth. They've maybe invested in my life, not because they themselves are unusually gifted people. If I was to name off people that have influenced me the most and made such an impact in my life, you'd probably be like, who's that? You know, you may know about them, but they're not, you know, it's not some celebrity pastor, right? It's not some guy, you know, on TV, you know, who's just made, man, this guy's just changed my life. No, no, no. They're people who have invested because they've had a servant's perspective, a servant's perspective. They've served me. The thing is, church, if you aspire to be great, you need to give yourself to the small and mundane things of life and give yourself to them because that is what God views as greatness, Max and I were talking this week. He had a question for me about like a cultural thing that's going on that he noticed, he picked up on. And uh, he said, dad, why is it that, you know, this and this and this? And I said this to him. I said, well, I said, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. The world views things differently than God views things. <laughs> and so what God says is right, the world says it's wrong. What the world says is uh, right, God says that's wrong. It's an upside down world that we live in, right? And in this case, particularly, yeah, it's an upside down thing. And it still comes to greatness. Our world says greatness is money. Greatness is fame. Greatness, if, if, if even a, someone on the outside would look at a church and say, well, Pastor Paul, if you want to be great, you need to have a huge church and you guys need to have your own building and you do all of these things. And that's what real greatness is. And God says, no, greatness is faithfulness. Greatness is faithful in the least of these, in the smallest things. That's what true greatness is is being faithful in those. And so today, as we consider God's definition for the local church, we recognize that a big part of it 
is only experienced as we serve one another with the right heart, as we serve one another with a joyful and a spirit that desires to see others grow. Galatians chapter 5, 13 says, Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty as an occasion for the flesh, but by love serve one another. 1 Peter 4, 10, As every man hath received a gift, even so minister to the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Serving is spending yourself, spending of your energy, of your time, of your uh, talents, of your treasure for something and someone outside of your own. Remember, we're a part of something greater than ourselves, and the way that we do that is by serving in that way, getting involved in the local church, getting involved in the ministries right here at City are great ways that you can take ownership in the church. God does not call us to be mere spectators. That's what he doesn't call us to do that. God wants us to be involved. You know, have you ever had a part of your body decide to be a spectator? You say, what are you talking about? Have you ever have a part of your body stop working? Let's put it that way. Or injured. You know how tough that is. I've told this uh, before, but when I was in college, um, my freshman year of college, I, I played basketball and, um, and uh, I don't tell you that for my own glory. I tell you that for God's glory. As a white guy, I made the basketball team. It was great. And uh, I played all four years of a college, and I'm thankful for that. But in my first year, before we played a single game, uh, there was this guy, and anyway, uh, I got injured. And the way I got injured is I was, we were in practice, and I was making a cut, and the guy that I was playing against wasn't happy about it or whatever, and he shoved me, and I lost. I, I kind of fell forward, and my teammate passed me the ball at the same time. And I caught the ball on this pinky finger right here. And then from this knuckle to the end of my finger, it went up and on top of the rest of my finger. Gross. Yeah, it was. I saw it and I was like, whoo. Like, I've never fainted before, but I, w- I almost did. And my coach, like, saw it. And he was like, oh, you know. And, and he just came over and he just said, look me in the eye, look me in the eye, look me in the eye. And I was like, yes, coach. And I thought I was going to throw up. And he just went, and he squeezed it and popped it back in for me. Okay, yeah, it was gross. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I, it's my first year. I'm like, oh, like I, we haven't even played a single game yet. So I said, well, coach, what am I going to do, you know? He's like, well, how's it feel? I was like, ah, it just feels so weak, you know? And, and he said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. So what we did is we taped it to my next finger over. So I took like, I, I ripped tape in thin strips, and I would tape it like this. And I taped it. And you know what? I played almost the whole season like this. A whole season like this. And I'm thankful. I was, able, I was able to actually finally grip a ball and, and I had to learn to kind of shoot a little bit differently and all that. But I was able to play the whole season. But every game, every practice, I taped this finger to it. Guess what this finger was? It was not contributing at all. Now, could it make a difference? Yeah, definitely. Having that extra digit, it could make a difference. But it decided he's just going to be along for the ride, okay? He just taped up and he's along for the ride. Now, that's a great illustration of church sometimes. There's, there's, there's a, people doing stuff. And then there's those that are just along for the ride, right? And they're like, I like being close to you. I like coming to church. I like being around you guys. But they don't serve in any way. They're just along for the ride. And guess what? I would have loved to have that extra digit that whole season. There were times where I'd, I'd go up for a shot uh, or, or uh, this is back when I could dunk. Josh, I could dunk back in the day. I'd go up for a dunk and the ball would kind of slip out, you know, because it was taped, right? And I was like, if only my finger worked. <laughs> I would have dunked it in front of everybody, you know, and it great glory to me. <laughs> and I think about all that. But you know what? It ended up just not helping at all because it was just so long for the ride. And, and listen, we want to serve every part of the body is necessary, is essential, is important. So important. 
when we are just merely spectators, it does not function as God intended it to function. If you've ever had a problem or a sickness, you understand that. Ephesians 4 says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, a lot of believers, they look at that verse and they say, Oh, yeah, pastors, teachers, they're to do the work of the ministry. And we look at that. But I want you to read how the verse goes. What are the pastors and teachers and those to do? They are to perfect the saints. That means mature the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry. That again speaks to the idea that we are all serving together. It's not just everyone sits around and, and, and watches the pastor and the, and the other leadership do everything. You know, the example is given of a football game, right? You know, 50,000 people in a great need of exercise watching 11 men in great need of rest, <laughs> you know? And that's often sometimes how it is in a church. The masses that are watching, a bunch of people run around and going, yeah, good job, pastor. Man, look at you, you're so tired. You look exhausted, great job, you know? And we sit around and recognize that, no, we're to be doing the work of ministry together. My job is to train and to develop and to provoke to good works, right? So that we serve and work together. So today, that's what it's all about. It's all about serving One great president said it this way, ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church. Paraphrase, stolen a little bit. I made a few changes. But that's a great thing for us to think about. Don't just be like, hey, church, what are you going to do for me? How can I serve in the local church? And today, that's the subject, serving in the local church. And today, as we close, I want to give each of you an opportunity to involve yourself in serving here at City. And so Lex, if you can go ahead and start handing those out for me, or Jonah's coming through too. And uh, what we have here is a, uh, is a serve team interest card. And so they're gonna hand one out to uh, everybody here today. And I'm just gonna talk through it a minute um, because now that we're kind of through COVID, it's in, hopefully it's in our rearview mirror and we're moving forward. And uh, we've seen some growth. We're thankful for that. Um, we're making some changes to some things here coming up very soon. But there are areas that you can serve in. Some of you maybe don't serve in, in any way at all right now. And as a church family, um, we have always tried to maintain a 75 to 80% service rate of people doing at least something and serving in the church. I'm so thankful that our, and that's not like a goal that I, you know, put my head in my hands if we don't reach it. Um, but it's a goal for us that regardless of whether you, it, it's your first couple of times coming, whether uh, you come regularly, whether you're a member of the church or not a member of the church, we all can serve in, in different ways. And so what it is basically is a place for you to put your name, which is important for us. Uh, and then also check off anything at all that you might be interested in. So we have areas like welcome team, uh, hosting, kids ministry, uh, nursery, uh, live stream slash proclaim. Now proclaim is not that you stand on the street and be like, church is stunning. That's not what it means. That would be a great one though. We need like a bell ringer, you know, like come into church. Anyway, that would be cool. Um, no, proclaim is the software that we use to run the screens and everything and all that. Um, sound, there's all sorts of ways. And then as well, there's an option for you to put down your spiritual gifts. Now, many of you, uh, if you've been through our discipleship courses and stuff, you know your spiritual gifts, you've done a spiritual gifts testing, and you can put those in there if you know them. If you don't know them, uh, that's okay. Um, But these are just a ways for us. Again, we're we're working on building some databases of people that are interested in different different things. And I only want you to put the things that you need, that you're interested in, okay? Don't don't be like, well, I know they need help in kids' ministry, but I don't like kids, but I'm going to have a servant's heart today. (laughs) Kids' ministry. I don't want you to do that, okay? I want you to put generally where you're interested because we want people to serve where God's gifted them and they feel comfortable, all right? That's what we want. 
uh, because that creates longevity of service. And so uh, now granted, if you have a, sometimes there's opportunities for you to do things that maybe you don't love and that's okay. All right. That's okay for us to have a servant's heart in that way. But this is an opportunity for us to kind of just see ways and areas that you're, uh, that you would love to serve in as well. Are there other areas God has gifted you or given you an interest in that you could be used in serving the church? I know my punctuation is terrible in that sentence. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, are there things that you, you're like, Hey, you know what? I, I can juggle. And I think, I, you know, maybe a kid's thing. Seriously, you know, I can make balloon animals. I'm, a, I, I'm in a circus focus. What's another thing, you know? Uh, there's something that I can do that God's gifted me in um, that I can help out with. Or, and, and I just want to tell you, this is not a guarantee, right? This is not like, you know, don't come to me in two months. We have pastor, I signed up uh, and I have not yet to, uh, you know, I have yet to uh, run the, the live stream or something. Let, some positions are filled, some aren't. Some have varying levels of responsibility and all that. So we'll, but it's just for us to sort of uh, get to know, and, and we do have needs in most areas in the church right now as we're sort of coming back out of it. Some people have uh, decided to take a break for certain ministries for a while or whatever, and that's great. And so we want to fill those in and encourage everyone to be healthy and, and, and uh, have longevity in those ministries. So if you'd fill those out and uh, you can put them in the offering box at the back that's there by Tim when we're done the service and just drop that in there, fold it up, put it in there. And uh, we're going to put that in a database and we may reach out to you and be like, according to your interest card, just, we have a need uh, in, a, in a clean team or we, we have some need in a setup team on a, on a, you know, for a setup team. Here's how they work and we'll explain it to you. We'll train you, all those kind of things. Um, but these are options and uh, a great way for us to serve, right? We want to serve. Sometimes people come to church and they're like, well, how can I get involved? Here's, here's step number one right here. Uh, let us know what you're interested in and we'd love to help get you and find a spot uh, for you to serve. So let's not lose sight of the fact that God has called us to serve the local church. And that's what it's all about today. It's about serving him through the local church. Well, we do want to thank you so much for tuning into the message today. And if it's been a help and encouragement to you in any way, uh, we would ask that you share the podcast. And you can easily do that on either social media or maybe just uh, text the link to a friend. But like I said, it's our mission to help others find and follow Jesus here in Vancouver, uh, all across Canada and even around the world. And so you sharing the message today can really contribute towards that. Also, we would love for you to make a connection with us if you haven't already. And so the two best ways to do that is either by liking our Facebook page, that's City Baptist Church, or following our Instagram account at Van City Baptist. And of course, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca. We do have all of our past sermon series on there available for you to stream, uh, past services, uh, worship, and just lots of other content and resources there to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with God. But once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are looking forward to next week's message from our new series, I Am. We love you, we're praying for you, and we're here for you.